Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. As I am sure you have heard by now, Zach Eady will be returning to Purdue for his senior season after withdrawing from the NBA draft last Wednesday. Now, expectations will be through the roof for the Boilermakers, who are likely to enter the 2023-24 season as a top-five team, the favorite to win the Big Ten, and a candidate to go very deep into the NCAA tournament. We're going to take a look here today at what Purdue's going to look like with Edie back on the roster. Uh, give some thoughts on those expectations and just you know a little way too early look at what Purdue could do this winter. So um, looking forward to this episode. Obviously, Zach Eady's return to Purdue was one that came down to the wire and I think maybe was a closer decision than some of us, including myself, initially thought. You know, I'm not I'm not a great one to talk about, you know, the ins and outs of the NBA because I don't follow it particularly closely. Um so, you know, the entire process of, you know, the difference between a 40th and 50th overall pick, you know, I, I'm i not great with the ins and outs of that. But, you know, this is something that Zach Eady had legitimate interest from the NBA from the sounds of it. And with the way the modern NBA values or more accurately, does not value traditional big men, you know, it was quite reasonable to wonder whether there would be much interest at all. Um, you know, whether Zach Eady would be, you know, maybe an early second round type or one who, you know, is he going to get picked in the late 50s or is he going to go undrafted? Uh, you know, there there were real questions about that. The word that was coming out was that Edie was looking for, you know, some type of multi-year guaranteed contract from the NBA. Whether he got that, had that on the table or not, you know, I don't know. Um, we may never know all of the ins and outs of this, and, you know, that's okay. Um, he just clearly, you know, probably didn't get exactly what he was hoping for from the NBA, so he's returning to Purdue. And he let that decision go down to the final few hours before announcing that he'd be back. I think, as we've seen a little bit uh, last year and then again this year, this really reflects the realities of the NIL era of college athletics, where players can now feel comfortable foregoing the professional route, or at least delaying their jump to the professional route to stay in school where they can make some money. Um, I don't think there's any chance Zach Eady would have been back at Purdue if it was just going to be a play for free type of deal like we saw for, you know, for so long in college athletics. Um, I'm not really one who cares a ton about the exact dollar amounts. So, you know, I'm not going digging for that. 
if you saw the reports that you know he was making on just under a million bucks last year, 800, 900 grand, I'm sure it's reasonable to assume that will go up this year. Um, you know, I think this, you have to give Purdue credit for getting this done from an NIL standpoint. I don't know, you know, I don't know that this is necessarily a big statement about how competitive Purdue is in the NIL era, because I think this is probably the easiest type of situation to raise NIL funds for. I think you can get people really engaged with the idea of bringing back your superstar for another year of eligibility on a team that, you know, if he comes back, they're going to be a top five team preseason. Uh, he won national player of the year last year and the NBA, you know, may or may not be the best option for him. That's a situation where I think you can really gain some interest. I think Purdue clearly did. And you have to give them credit for at least making this happen. Uh, whatever the whatever the nitty gritty is of the you know foreign player getting a work visa in America or whatever, so be it. You know it, it'll work. Um, there aren't really rules to this stuff at the end of the day, at least from an NCAA standpoint. So you know credit to Purdue there. I don't know that this means that you know Purdue has you know a complete fleet of Brinks trucks sitting outside of the athletic complexes to go, you know, send the players for NIL. But I think at the end of the day, it's a good sign. You know, now you look ahead to this season and Purdue at the absolute minimum has a very, very high floor for what they could be this season. Uh, and what I mean by that is the, you know, the bottom end of expectations for Purdue or the bottom end of possible outcomes, assuming, you know, Purdue doesn't get hammered by injuries or anything, is really, really high. Uh, it's really strong. You know, now Zach Eady comes back and you have the returning national player of the year, someone who is remarkably consistent. Uh, last year was a legit 2010 every single night type of guy. You're going to get that again this year. I know the videos of Zach Eady out shooting, I don't remember if they were like 17-footers or three-pointers at NBA workouts. You know, I know those circulated. And is it possible that we see Zach Eady shoot a jump shot every now and then this season? Sure. Um, I I'm not going to rule it out, but I don't think you're going to see a ton of it. I don't think it's in the best interests of Purdue to have Zach Eady shooting where he can't get offensive rebounds. Um, you know what you're getting with him. He's the most dominant force in college basketball. Uh, you know, there are so few players that can match up with him one-on-one -on -one that you know, he makes defenses carve their entire game plans around him. Now he, now that he'll be back for a fourth season, it is possible that he becomes Purdue's all-time leading scorer. 
Uh, he needs close to 800 points, I think, which would be a lot. Uh, that would be a really big season, but it's possible. And it seems pretty likely that he will become Purdue's all-time leading rebounder. Um, pretty remarkable stuff there. Just, you know, the story of Zach Eady is is quite something. Um, I, I think, though, you know, you know what Zach Eady is, and that floor is really high. But what that ceiling is, how high that ceiling is, I think at the end of the day, Purdue is going to go as far as its supporting cast can take it. I, I think that's where... You know, last year, Purdue was so Zach Eady-centric that at times it was to a fault. And you saw that, obviously, in the NCAA tournament loss when Purdue couldn't knock down shots from three. So looking at that supporting cast this year, I think it's very likely that you can, you can probably assume that Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are going to take substantial steps forward in their second years inside the Purdue program. Both of these guys really flashed at times last season. Uh, you saw early on in Big Ten play, Fletcher Lawyer kind of single-handedly won Purdue that game at Nebraska, uh, the overtime game when Casey Tominaga was just throwing flamethrowers from deep. Uh, and keeping Nebraska in that, Fletcher Lawyer hit big shot after big shot to win that game for Purdue. I don't know that he necessarily shot at the clip from three-point range that I expected. Uh, he didn't, uh, I don't, I'll pull up what he finished last year, but it wasn't necessarily what I expected. It wasn't in the high 30s, which would have been my guess. Um Let's see here. Fletcher Lawyer shot 32.6% from three. So, you know, certainly significantly lower than I expected. I think some fatigue really contributed to that. Um, I think, you know, it had been reported he was battling some, a little bit of an injury, uh, calf stuff going on. So, you know, I, I think a, an offseason full of strength and conditioning for Fletcher Lawyer is going to be really big. Uh, you've seen him rise up in big games. You know, that Michigan State game on the road, he was really, really good. I think he had 17 points there, uh, hit some big shots in the second half when Purdue needed them badly. Michigan State was letting Zach Eady beat them, or at least get everything he possibly could, but Fletcher Lawyer stepped up and was really big there. I think you're going to see more consistency from him next year. And I think that's going to be really big for Purdue. And I think the same for Braden Smith. I think the, the summer full of strength and conditioning cannot be overstated in importance. Because if you'll remember, he missed all of last summer coming off of foot surgery from an injury he sustained at Westfield towards the end of his senior year. So he wasn't really on the court doing anything until later in the summer or early in the fall even. I don't know the exact timeline there, but it's not like he had a full summer to get ready for the season. 
It is a much different game at the Big Ten level. Uh, playing two high-level games a week for, what, four or five months, that'll wear you down. Um, that'll absolutely wear you down. I think they'll be better equipped for the long run this season. I think in-game experience for Braden Smith is really going to help. I think a summer full of you know watching film, evaluating some of the decision-making you know, he's, he has passing ability that Purdue has not seen in some time. But, you know, he at times he could get aggressive, uh, had some games with really high turnover counts. You know, I think of that game in Mackey Arena against Indiana where he really struggled. Uh, the FDU game, he certainly had some turnovers. I think you're going to see a much more consistent level of play from him this year. And I think you're going to see him score the ball more, too. Uh, you saw some real ability to put the ball in the basket last year. I think you're going to see him featured a little bit more in a scoring role this year as well. I think Purdue's front court is going to be fascinating this year because you have the same crew. Uh, you have the same four guys that got minutes there last year. From the sounds of things... Purdue is working to get Trey Kaufman Wren a little bit more ready to play the four spot than he was last year. Um, so you have essentially three guys who can play the four with Mason Gillis, Caleb First, and Trey Kaufman Wren. And you have three guys that can play the five with Edie, First, Kaufman Wren. I'll note here I know Will Berg is on the roster. I am not projecting much from him, A, because the minutes probably aren't going to be there, and B, you know, it is a little concerning that he's hurt um, with a foot injury, I believe, something like that. Sometimes with these big guys, you get real scared when they start getting hurt, and I, I believe this is his second injury, if I remember right. Um, I think he had something early on last season. That gets concerning. Uh, sometimes, you know, injuries for big guys can really, really just bring things to a halt in terms of development and the recovery time can be long. So until I see Will Berg really, you know, doing stuff on the court, I'm probably not going to project a ton out of him. Uh, just, you know, just for those reasons. But, you know, if First and Kaufman Wren can take some steps forward here, both guys are in their third year in the program. First has played two, Kaufman Wren has played one. I think that could be really big for this team. We know Edie is capable of going out and playing, you know, 30 plus minutes a game. He did it last year, or at least very close to it in terms of minutes per game. Yeah, 31.7 a game. If he's not playing that many minutes this year, I don't think that's the worst thing for Purdue. I don't think Edie showed any signs of wearing down late in the season. Uh, in fact, I'd say the opposite. I mean, he just kept getting stronger and stronger, it seemed. But I... I think if you can bring in first and Kaufman Wren and you can get Caleb first a little bit more consistent from three, 
you can do a lot of pick and pop stuff that could be interesting. Kaufman Wren has some game down low. If he can get a little more comfortable shooting the ball, you know, things get things get really interesting there. Um, I, I'll add, you know, this probably isn't the most ideal thing for those two guys. Uh, you know, you're getting now where they're in their third year in the program and is it necessarily their time yet? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, one of them may start at the four, but you're not getting them both out there in the starting lineup together like you may have thought at one point. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a trade-off Purdue is more than willing to take to get Zach Eady back for another year. Uh, it's going to be really, really big to see what those guys can do, though, especially, you know, some of the options they bring defensively I think could be quite interesting too. We know what Mason Gillis is there. Uh, you know, he's another guy who really, really struggled in the last game of the season. And sometimes that can bleed over into thinking over the summertime, which isn't necessarily fair. He's a rock solid piece to have in the mix. Uh, he can knock down three pointers. He plays incredibly hard really solid rebounder. Um, he's a good piece to have in the mix. It's going to be interesting to see how those minutes are shared, though, because, you know, if Zach Eady's playing 30 minutes a game, then you only have, you know, you only have 50 minutes to go around at the four and the five. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because there's some real competition there, and that's a really good thing. Um that's a really good thing to have for Purdue. This team is going to be more athletic than it was last year. You bring in Lance Jones from the transfer portal. You bring Camden Heidi off a red shirt, and you bring Miles Colvin into the program. All three of those guys help Purdue take a step forward athletically. You know, if you're using comparisons, which isn't necessarily the best way to do it, but if you just compare Lance Jones to last year's one-year transfer and David Jenkins, Lance Jones is more athletic there, and Lance Jones is a better defender there. Camden Heidi, I mean, if you want to just use him coming off a red shirt, all indications are he's more athletic than Brandon Newman, who you know was a passable athlete, but certainly not some freak athlete. Colvin, as I think most fans are well aware, has incredible raw athletic traits. Uh, he can run, he can jump, he's very athletic. I think how that raw athleticism translates to the floor, especially for Heidi and Colvin, that's going to be a key. We know what Lance Jones can do, um, how it translates to the Big Ten level, we'll see. Things will look a little different there, but we know how his athleticism translates to the court. With Heidi and Colvin, we'll see. You know, Heidi hasn't played in a game. Uh, by the time, you know, Purdue tips off this season, or I guess even the Europe trip where, you know, they play in August, it'll have been more than 18 months since he played in a real competitive game. So I think that, you know, that could get interesting. Um, how does he slide in there? We know he can dunk. How's he as a shooter? 
How's he as a defender? I think the same thing for Colvin. Uh, he showed to be a decent shooter in high school. Can he step in and shoot well in college? Can he get in the lane well in college against much better defenders? He did not play a particularly strong strength of schedule uh, in high school. You know, he did not play against great competition. So there will be some adjustment there. But what it's going to come down to there, and at that three position at the backup spots for the one and the two, how does the defense stack up? Because that's going to be where, you know, Purdue needs to improve a little bit. You know, they were a fine defensive team last year, and at times they were pretty good, but you want to be elite there. You know, if you want to be the best of the best, you know, you're kind of, I think most of you are well aware, you need to be top 20 in the nation in offensive and defensive efficiency. So you need to keep getting better on defense. If those guys are ready to play D, then this is going to be really fun to watch because with Lance Jones, a two-time All-Missouri Valley defensive team guy, and Ethan Morton, you have a couple of real plus defenders out on the wing right now. Um, I think Jones will help Morton in that sense because at times last year, Morton had to guard some really small guys because he was Purdue's best perimeter defender. And some of the small guys were awfully quick. You know, Morton's a little bit longer, uh, longer legs, not quite as quick as some of those real small guards. I think Lance Jones can help you there quite a bit um, so that Morton doesn't have to take on those guys as often. Morton's role is going to be interesting. Um, how well can he kind of bounce back from a rough year shooting the ball? He finished the year strong. You know, he got off to such a rough start shooting from three that climbing out of it from a percentage standpoint on really limited volume was going to be next to impossible. But how can he shoot the ball this year? Can he get into the 30s, you know, flirt with the mid-30s from three? That would be a really big step if he can do it. There's a lot of competition here. You know, Brian Waddell is still on the roster too. He's got an uphill battle. I think that's very fair to say. How back to original form is he from his ACL tear? I don't know, but you know he's not going to lay down and fold. Uh, he's going to be competing for minutes too. So Purdue is really deep um, in terms of both bodies. You know, you have twelve scholarship players, which is more than you can play, but with experience and ability. There's a lot to like about this group. I'll add that, you know, yes, Purdue does have an open scholarship in theory. And there's been a lot of clamoring for Purdue to go out and pick up another transfer. I think it's really hard. I mean, we just went through the entire roster here. Where are these minutes available from? You know, are you bringing someone in to start? Because it's a hard sell when you bring back your whole starting five, essentially, from a team that won the Big Ten and was a one seed. Any transfer who's looking at this objectively would 
say they can probably go somewhere else and get more playing time. Uh, it's a two-way street here. Purdue can want a guy out of the transfer portal, but that guy has to want Purdue. So I, I don't think I don't think Purdue will get someone else out of the transfer portal. If you can get you know a real impact guy, that's great. But I don't think that's something that Purdue was in a very good spot to go get. And you just kind of have to live with it because that's part of it. Uh, Purdue's got a really nice, nice group here. The floor is really high. Those steps forward from some of these guys, how ready those freshmen are on the wing, uh, how much of a contributor is Jones, how big of a step do guys like Smith, Lawyer, First, Kaufman, Wren take, that'll determine the ceiling of this team from essentially what it was last year, which was still a really good team, to you know maybe from going from a great team to an elite team. Uh, because by all accounts, you know, 20, 29 and six, last year's team was pretty great. Uh, they had a poor ending, but they were excellent last year. Now can they take a step up and get into that rarefied air of just absolutely elite? I think the Europe trip that comes in August is going to be really good for this team. I, I believe they get like 10 official practices back in West Lafayette. Then they go across the pond, and I think they play four games, three, four, something like that. Any time together is going to be really valuable here. And I think one of the nice things about this is that, yes, Purdue fans are going to pay attention to what goes on in these Europe trips, but I don't know... I don't know if these games are going to be streamed anywhere. I don't know what type of media coverage there will be of this, but Purdue's not going to be under the microscope over there that they will be all season back, you know, in the United States playing their normal schedule. Um, getting that mix together of some of those younger guys in the backcourt with Smith and Lawyer. Uh, playing with a seven foot four giant for the first time in their careers, that's going to be really good. I think getting some comfort, getting some comfort together with the lights off a little bit, could be really big because once October comes around and official practices start, and then absolutely once the ball tips off in November, this is going to be a pressure cooker for Purdue this year. Uh, this is, you know, this is as final four or bust of a type of season as you could really find. Um, Purdue has accomplished literally everything else there is to accomplish within the last five years. Uh, going back to, I guess, what that's going to be five years ago now, uh, when Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein got Purdue to the Elite Eight. Purdue has accomplished everything there is to accomplish besides getting to that final four. You know, I had the question on Twitter. Someone asked, how far do you make it in the NCAA tournament to consider it a successful season? It's hard to say that there's a certain end point when we haven't seen the team play yet. But 
again, I'm not always a NCAA tournament is everything guy, but this is where the expectations are for this season. You know, Purdue's a preseason top five team. They are as hyped coming into the season as they have been since Jawan Johnson and Etwan Moore's senior year, especially before Hummel got hurt. This is this is going to be big time stuff. You know, every loss, heck, every opponent run, every time Purdue has a, a slow start, you're going to feel the panic. You're going to feel the anxiety uh, every time. Purdue has a big lead and an opponent starts to press and goes on a run, you're going to feel it. Um, It's just going to happen. So strap in. It's going to be interesting. Um, Purdue's got a good schedule to this point. They've got Xavier in the Gavit games in Mackey Arena. I, I certainly haven't really started looking much at other teams yet, but Sean Miller's a good coach. I think Zach Fremantle's back there, so... That's kind of the premier matchup of the Gavit games. Uh, that'll be a good one for Purdue. That field in Maui is absolutely loaded. Uh, that is a field. I think they have like five of John Rothstein's top 10 teams right now in the Maui Invitational. Kansas is like number one. Purdue's right up there. Number two, number three. Tennessee is supposed to be really good. Marquette gets a lot back. Gonzaga is always good. UCLA is no slouch. I mean, it is a loaded field. Uh, Purdue could go out there and realistically play two top 10 teams in a span of 72 hours. That's going to be big. Uh, That's going to be a really good barometer for Purdue early on in the season. It's not the be-all, end-all but it's going to be a good barometer. Uh, I'd expect that Purdue schedules another Power 5 game or two in there. Uh, you get 11 non-conference games. There have been a few bye games that have been announced, but you know I think Purdue would like to play five or six Power Conference opponents in the non-conference. So we'll see what the schedule ends up looking like. Um, but this is, you know, this is... Pretty pretty big-time stuff for Purdue here. This is kind of their year. It's not to say that things are going to fall off after this year completely. Um, I, I, I don't think Zach Eady will play two more seasons. I know it's possible. I don't think he will. I think this is going to be a one-year thing, and then after this year, Eady's going to move on. So, you know, last year, Purdue exceeded any possible expectations uh, throughout the regular season. Purdue was way better than anyone expected last year. This year, the expectations are what they are. Purdue won't sneak up on anybody. Uh, Purdue will not Purdue will not be you know getting praise for coming out and upsetting teams. There will be no upsets. Purdue may be favored in every game. Uh, it's going to be close if not. I think this is where Purdue has to really be tough, has to really handle this well, because this isn't something that these guys have really gone through. I know Gillis and Edie and Morton were around 
a couple years ago with Jaden Ivey as a sophomore, but even then, the preseason expectations weren't this. Uh, this is something that Purdue hasn't seen in a while. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I'm scrolling through here just looking at some of the tweets that you all sent in. Will Edie take a three this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd. Yeah, if you hadn't made me bet on it, he's going to put up a three. Hell, he might put up a three in the first bye game of the year when Purdue's up 25 points in the second half and he puts one up before he goes and sits down for the day. I, I think he will. Th this was a good one. You know, will Edie average more or less points and minutes than last year? Again, I, I think it would be probably the best thing per, for Purdue if he didn't average more, um, if you could be a little more balanced, but he's capable of averaging more points. I'm going to get, I'm going to say he goes under because I think that would be better for Purdue. Um, you know, a question about the three spot as we kind of discussed, that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I think you're looking at, you know, Ethan Morton is the incumbent there. Can Camden Heidi beat him out? Can Miles Colvin beat him out? I, I don't know that I see Colvin as a day one starter. I could see Heidi more realistically there. Um, one thing I'll note, you know, this question brought up Gillis. I, I don't think Gillis can play the three. I think maybe pre-injury in high school, that would have been a possibility. Uh, before he got hurt, what, that was after his junior year of high school, I think. I don't know that he ever got back to the same level of athleticism after that injury that he was before. I don't think he can play out on the three now. I think he's got to play the four. I think he's kind of pigeonholed there. So uh, that's kind of what I've got um, talking about Purdue basketball right now. Obviously, we're a long way away. I'm recording this on June 4th. The season doesn't start till November, but that August trip to Europe is going to be the first time where we really get some word on this group, um, see how they're doing early on. But if you're a Purdue fan, this is a really exciting time. This is kind of what you dream of. Um, you know, you want to be in this spot as often as you can. Whatever happens at the end of the year is going to happen. But Purdue is, again, putting itself in position to make runs in the NCAA tournament and to field a really, really good team. So there will be plenty of coverage to come on the basketball front as we near closer to the season. But um, for now, that's all I've got for today. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about on the show next. Uh, we'll see what football recruiting does here. June's a hot month there. Certainly, as we get into July a little bit later, we'll start the countdown to kickoff. But uh, if there's anything you want me to talk about, always tweet it to me at Boilers Beyond or send me a DM, you know, whatever your pre preferred method is. But please subscribe so you don't miss anything all summer. We will be coming to you regularly. And until next time, guys, stay cool out in this summer heat.